1: Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the 800 pounds of Gorilla Funk in the Room.
0: Welcome to the virtual book reading with Waleem, the author of Land of the Black Squirrels. And I'm some guy named Jay. And uh, thank you all for joining us. And uh, that song you heard was from the Groovilato's Ask Your Mama, one of my favorite joints. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, that that song was also written by Waleem. And he also uh, wrote the book, The Land of the Black Squirrels. So you know what you're in for. You know he, he's a, he's a great uh, calling him an author. That's just an understatement because he's he's amazing at many different things. Um, so yeah, well, you know what, I'm gonna bring him on. He's gonna he's gonna talk about it. Waleen
2: Hey brother, peace. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing well. Yeah, I throw some cheers on it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, if you on? Oh yeah. Yeah, you doing you doing well tonight? Oh yeah, so far so good. Good, good. All right. Well, um well, definitely uh for those that don't know, um, cuz I know many people know about it by now. <laughs> the Land of the Black Squirrels is everywhere. Uh but for those that still don't yet, could you tell them a little bit about the book and then we'll get into the uh the book reading?
1: Oh yeah. <clears throat>
0: Land
2: of the Black Squirrels is actually the first novel in a series called The Bronx Boheme, And it's about a group of artists who grow up together in the um Northeast Bronx, a section called The Valley. And um they come out of a arts academy that a guy starts in the late 60s. And it's a story basically about the meeting place of hip hop and jazz. And um just about that unique community that artists end up forming, even when they're young, and uh, it's also uh, just about—it's also pretty much the, also about the evolution of the underground arts movement.
0: Oh yes, that, definitely, definitely.
2: That was really you know vibrant and popping in the '90s and early 2000s. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah. Yeah, see that's that's a that's a um. Yeah, that's a that's a tale that many people want to know about, you know, and 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 it's very relatable, and uh, and putting it the way, I mean, you know, uh, you know, have any anything? <laughs> I'm tongue tied tonight. <laughs> pardon me, pardon me. Um, million thoughts going on at once. Um, yeah, like. Uh, you know, I don't have any set questions or anything like that because you know I was just expecting. You know, we're just going to just you know get into the actual book reading this time as opposed to the digital meet and greet. And plus, you know, okay. uh, yeah, but uh, but what we will do though is uh, as you read and you know in between excerpts, what we'll do is we'll open mm-hmm. up the phone lines for anybody that want to you know congratulate you or say this is you know I'm loving this. How can I get the book? And da da da. Or you know ask questions. So um, and I won't I won't interrupt you. So, you know, when you take the pause break, then that will give me the cue to say, okay, well, I'll jump in and take some calls. So uh, so all y'all that's tuned in, be patient, you know, just sit back and enjoy yourselves. is a, a reading, you know. All um, right. If you are streaming from a link or an app or a third-party website, definitely give us a call at 425. Well, the number is 425-292. Oh, excuse me, wrong number. <laughs> Oh man, what's going on tonight? Uh, the uh I did a detox earlier today. I think that's probably what it is. Um the phone number is 929-477-3872. You know, so just write that down 929-477-3872, you know, if you know. So when we start taking calls, you got the number. And if you're streaming from the, uh, the phone already, you've already called the number, just press 1 and we'll bring you on to ask the questions. So uh, but for right now, just sit, sit on back, relax, and listen to pieces of the Land of the Black Squirrels.
2: In an urban setting like the Bronx, New York, observing nature in the environment is a survival instinct. Given the somewhat harsh surroundings and sometimes causes a sensory overload, Buildings, busy streets, traffic, trees, plants, animals, people. So it's a very little surprise that bebop jazz, boogaloo, hip-hop, and any number of other high-energy, multi-layered genres were born and or cultivated in urban environments, bearing only a resemblance to their rural ancestors and cousins. There is a spirit in the Bronx, that tends to cultivate creative intellects from your EL Doctros and Stanley Kubrick's to your DJ Kool Hercs, KRS-1's and Eddie Palmieri's. Whether it's to use to play three-card Monty, chess, piano, a typewriter, or run a small business, the ability to access, interpret, and delineate is, essential, is an essential street skill for all who dwell within the borough. The Bronx is a place that is rich with stories, melodies, and spirits that linger long after the people are gone. Like I said, this is a story I've been telling for years, and for the sake of allegory, people, places, and events have been slightly rearranged. Without any further ado, the story I'm about to tell you might not be true, and it begins in the land of the black squirrels, entering the land of the black squirrels. The sun shined with that hazy glow that it always gets in the late mornings. Bare trees and dead leaves lined the sides of the highway, casting an orange tint on the world. It had been sunny all the way down the New England thruway, but there was something about the way it glowed on the remnants of the cedar swamps and marshes along the perimeter of the tall buildings of Co-op City that set it apart. Once upon a time, this part of the Bronx was known as Eastchester, the easternmost part of Westchester, located between the Bronx River and Pelham Bay. It became a part of New York City in the late 1800s. It took about 50 years for the inhabitants of the several villages that make up Eastchester to start calling it the Northeast Bronx. To me, this was the land of the black squirrels, because it was the first place that I'd ever seen a black squirrel. No, I don't mean squirrels of African descent. I'm talking about squirrels with thick black fur, along with personalities and proportions that are bigger and bolder than the gray squirrels. I capitalized the B in black squirrels because the word is not, not only describes their color, which is actually very dark brown, but their history and sociopolitical status. You see, at one point, there were only little gray squirrels that lived and played in the parks, trees, and fields of Eastchester. They would feast on the nuts, popcorn, pizza crusts, and breadcrumbs fed to them or discarded by people eating as they sat in the park or walked down the street. It was a good time and the land belonged to them. Then, all of a sudden, out of nowhere came these black squirrels. I was probably about eight or nine when I first saw a black squirrel running around in front of my grandmother's building on Darrow Place. One black squirrel among hundreds and thousands of gray squirrels. Then I slowly began to notice more black squirrels running across the lawns, playing around the trees, and sitting in the paddle ball courts. The black squirrels had come to claim their territory, acting in accordance with the laws of nature. At first, the black squirrels tried to get along with the gray squirrels, but the gray squirrels would gang up on them and chase them away. That is, until the black squirrels grew in numbers. They grew in numbers and began to stand their ground, leaving the gray squirrels to flee to Westchester and other states, even as far away as Florida. To this day, in the Bronx, you will see black squirrels sitting on the walls and fences near the buildings and running around the trees and lawns. No one seems to know where the black squirrels came from. It was even rumored that the gray squirrels actually descended from the black ones. But who really knows for sure? It's believed by some that certain animals embody the spirits of ancestors and those who've gone on to the spirit world. And this is their way to visit and send messages. As our days and lives go on, these creatures could very well be fulfilling that role. I got off of I-95 at Exit 13, making a right onto Connor Street, followed by a left onto Boston Post Road and eventually gliding into a parking space near the corner of Boston Post Road and Baychester Ave., I made a slight detour into a West Indian patty shop further up Boston Road before making my way to the train station and bought a beef patty on cocoa bread with cheese and a pineapple soda, sticking the bag with the sandwich in one coat pocket and the soda in the other. Standing on the Baychester Ave platform, I began to eat my patty while waiting for the 5 train, which would take me to 180th Street, where I'd catch the 2 train. 180th Street was the crossroads between the 2 train east or the five train northeast. The true crossroads of the Bronx was 149th Street and Grand Concourse, where you could catch the four train to the west side and to 161st Street in Yankee Stadium, where you could transfer to the D, or catch the four or the five train south to 125th Street to catch the six train east to Hunts Point, Parkchester, or Pelham Bay Park. School wouldn't be letting out for another few hours, so there were maybe two or three other people on the platform, and it was rather quiet except for the dead leaves blowing in the breeze and the sound of traffic from nearby streets. In about a couple of hours or so, the uptown platform would be filled with Bronx high school kids who went to specialized and vocational high schools in Manhattan, making their way uptown. The downtown side would be filled with kids from the South Bronx or other boroughs making their way home from from one of the parochial schools, open-zone high schools, or the Bronx High School of Science. As I came to the last part of my sandwich, a black squirrel appeared on the platform, a few feet away from me. The black squirrel stared at me intently. I stared back for a few seconds and decided to throw the rest of my cocoa bread from my sandwich to him or her. The squirrel picked it up and ate it, all the while staring at me, I could swear that the critter gave me a nod of thanks while it ate. The 5 train came rumbling into the, st- into the station from Dyer Ave, and my little friend disappeared back over the wall. See, about 26 years ago, I was in New York playing a gig at Nell's on 14th Street, late night. Late night, the 5 train would stop running, and you would have to catch a shuttle from 180th Street, which, r- which ran really infrequently. So I decided to catch the 4 train uptown to Gun Hill Road and walk down to the corner of Bainbridge and Gun Hill to catch the BX-28, which used to be the BX-15. So here it was, 3 in the morning, and I'm standing across the street from Montefiore Hospital watching a black squirrel dart in and out of the sparse shrubs next to the building, when suddenly an old man popped out from behind the parking garage, just behind the bus shelter where I was standing. The man was about five foot five, wearing slacks, a collared shirt, fall coat, and totes hat. In his left hand, he carried two shopping bags stuffed with collard greens. There was something in the way he walked, a rather slew-footed stride, that told me he was from the islands. Hey there, he said in a crisp West Indian accent. You're wetting on the twenty eight? Uh, yeah. It'll be along in about three minutes. Always comes at 3 or 7 on the dot. He put his shopping bags down, gazed down Brainbridge and yawned. I can't wait to get home. Sounds like you're used to traveling at this time. Oh, yeah. I got off work at 2.30. Then I sat. Then I go check my garden. Your garden? Well, yeah. I'm not supposed to have it. But the soil is so rich there. Back there? I asked, pointing to the narrow space that he popped out of. That's your garden? Well, part of it. I've been growing greens, collards mostly, with some turnips and onions, and this all used to be farmland. The soil's still good. The bus came. We got on, took our seats, and continued talking about the soil composition in the Bronx. He talked about the Italians growing grapes and vegetables in Williamsbridge, the tomatoes one could grow in the valley, and the pear trees around Pelham Parkway. All he wanted was a little plot to grow his vegetables. He got off the bus around Eastchester Road. As the bus sat at the red light waiting to pull away, I watched the man stroll up Eastchester Road. Then, as suddenly as he appeared at the bus shelter, he disappeared. As the light turned green, I could swear I saw a black squirrel pulling two shopping bags full of collard greens into the shrubs in the park near the paddleball court. Take a pause there.
0: Definitely, definitely. Let me go ahead and get my claps ready for that. I mean, yeah, that that was. was... Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, If you want to ask any questions to Waleem about what you heard, what you read, if you want to cop the book, anything, just give us a call at 929-477-3872 and press 1. We'll bring you on. If you're already screaming from your phone, just press 1 and we'll bring you on. Um let me ask, what what uh why would you pick that uh, particular passage? Well, that chapter uh, uh, from
2: I guess mainly excerpt. because that's, that's really the only place in the novel where the um black squirrels are actually the subject.
1: Ah uh.
2: Because they okay, appear okay. throughout they appear throughout the story but that kind of sets up why they're there.
0: Ah. Oh, got it, got it. Okay, okay. And I guess uh you know, reading another excerpt from the book, you know, somebody'll be like, Oh, well where's the where's the black sport? Why you... <laughs> you know? <laughs>
2: Uh, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's funny that it happens because it, there are some elements of the book that I did that were purely stylistic, and um, it's gained a reaction, not always a favorable one, but it has definitely gained a reaction. Like, for example, the that passage of the book is the only one actually written in the first person. Ah. And then the rest of the book is more narration. You know, narration.
0: Ah, okay okay. Now with it uh being more uh narration, is there any I mean do they also have the is there is there much dialogue in it or pretty much uh just narration describing what's going on and just kind of telling the story?
2: Actually there's a lot of dialogue. I I just wanted to sort of like bring people more into the actual characters' lives and into the and, you know give the characters voices. So there's actually a considerable amount of dialogue that goes on. That sometimes, um, well, you know, my background is primarily in writing, is primarily as a playwright. So obviously, dialogue, I'm used to writing mostly dialogue, and um, just find that to be still an effective approach to the to elements of storytelling. Because, you know, uh, through narration, you a lot of things that you would have to describe, you can sort of cut to the chase when you listen to the conversation of two of the characters. I'm saying, listen, when you read the conversation, <laughs> when you read the <laughs> conversation of, of the two characters, uh, or three characters okay. or what have you.
0: Now, if you being a playwright, have you uh, considered bringing uh, The Land of the Black Squirrels to life in other forms? Uh, outside of the book? Most
2: definitely. Um, I mean, the, the, the piece actually went through a, a bunch of different forms. It originated as a short story. And one of the things that happens to me as a writer is as I develop characters, the characters sort of start to speak to me and start to tell me the story. And I find myself just kind of writing it down. So I, I started as a short story, and then little by little the short story grew. And it was a piece that was originally written as a um, spoken word storytelling performance piece. And when I was in grad school um, at VU doing screenwriting, I actually tried writing a screenplay version of it that um, is now one of the stories in the novel. But the um, screenplay sort of follows three of the characters who were roommates in the 1990s. And um, with the screenplay, it just didn't feel like I was able to get, you know, because you're dealing with a format, especially at the time, where, you know, your average screenplay was anywhere from 85 minutes to two hours, and it was kind of like, I can't really get this story out properly in two hours. And um, kept it up basically as a long-form storytelling piece, where I would tell it in serial form. I actually told it at the New Yorican Poets Cafe over, they used to have you know monthly series and weekly series where I was able to do the story over a um, three-week period at the New Eureka Poets Cafe. And it was there that it was suggested well, you should do that as a book. And um, then trying to figure out how do you take a storytelling piece, and, and it sounds kind of funny because it's storytelling, but how do you take a storytelling piece and then turn that into a book because... The written word and the spoken word are so remarkably different, and um, there were there was in particular a poet uh, by the name of Luis Reyes Rivera who's since joined the ancestors, but Luis Reyes Rivera wrote a number of um, epic poem novels, where he was taking the language and the speech and turning it into novel form, and it was that I found that to be very inspirational in how to translate this. So anyway, I'm sorry because I'm meandering. Um, one of the ideas in terms of the series is I would eventually like to do it sort of as something for Netflix, especially because with Netflix, you can now do films that can take place over several hours or several episodes, as opposed to just trying to concentrate on a single cinematic piece. So I would eventually mm-hmm. like to do this. As, I would eventually like to do this as a Netflix piece.
0: Ah amazing Hulu. definitely oh yeah i could i yeah i could definitely see that and i would i would love to see it um now you know i know a lot of people have uh, reviewed the book and you know you've gotten lots of uh you know positive you know mostly positive criticism uh you know for the book but has anyone do you know of anyone that's actually come up to you and tell you you know what i like it better when you just talk at it when you just perform it as it was and not the book or, or anything like that? I haven't gotten that.
2: One of the funny things that I get are um, is that people say, wow, you should do an audio book. And I'm like, okay, they said, no, you should do an audio book and you need to read it. And I'm uh, one of those people where I listen to the sound of my own voice in
0: a recording and I'm like, oh, wow, am I annoying. So it no, look- not not at all. I, I really enjoy hearing you. You know I mean? I mean you're a great uh performer singer i mean hey <laughs> i don't think I don't think we think so i, I the people that uh that show up to the groove lot uh uh shows I, I know they don't they beg to differ <laughs> well
2: thats well, that's that, that's the funny thing I could sing the book it's my spoken voice- it's my speaking voice where I'm like ooh, ooh no 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 no, <laughs> but um <laughs> But but I I guess especially since we're
0: quarantined
2: and I'm in the process, you know, I mentioned this before, building a recording studio. I guess one of the projects we can record maybe is an audio book.
0: Oh yeah. Now speaking of audio, uh, well, audio projects, I know I pitched the idea of uh, taking taking an excerpt from the Land of the Black Squ- Land of the Black Squirrels, and uh, having you know, because you know, I have I produced an audio sketch comedy show, Yesterday Night Tape, and oh, um yeah, yeah. and having. It- Oh, yeah, and having some of the performers... Uh... Wait, did I pitch this to you? Having us perform? Yeah, you did.
2: completely I'm completely down. I'm just trying to figure out the best chapter to give you.
0: Okay, good, good. Oh,
2: um, yeah, my um, um,
0: I'm,
2: yeah, like low... li- I'm feeling like a night at the liberation oh. or um, for the love of Betty would be two considerations.
0: Okay, okay.
2: Good,
0: good.
2: You. Yeah, but um yeah. But no, nah, we I, you know, I've, I've checked out your troop and we'd definitely love to have that
0: tackled like that. Yes, yes, definitely. And also, we're looking forward to having you as a guest host too on an upcoming episode.
2: Okay, yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. That
0: would
2: be, yes, fun. Yes, uh-huh. you know, I, I I particularly enjoy um what you've done in putting together Blacktopia. And oh, yes. um, just sort of like creating a wonderful community for artists, creative types, and you know, but not but not even just the arts. The fact that it's encompassing conversations around the arts, around economy, around um, so many things affecting our community. It's it's you know, you've definitely created a wonderful resource there, you know, interactive
0: resource. So definitely, thanks. You know, yes, I'm, I'm, you know,
2: I'm,
1: a, I'm
0: very,
2: very much, you know, appreciating Floyd and um, humbled by the by the level of talent that you also have on there. The writers, the singers, the um, poets, the philosophers. The you know,
0: wonderful. Yeah, thing. it would Yeah. Oh, yes, true indeed. We're honored to have you a part. You know. Uh, you know, uh yeah, I mean, hey, everything fits like a glove. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Just... And uh, oh yes, and we'll definitely have uh, more of you on the uh, Blacktopia platform, of course, uh, and yes. you know, putting that out there. You know, I always enjoy working with you, and uh, you know, it. I mean, I I, 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 only, I can't say, you you know what it is. <laughs> mhm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, okay. Also, before we get into the... Uh, oh, go ahead. What were you saying? Oh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. I was going to say, also, before we get into the, to the next piece, how many, how many did you want to read? Uh, you know, it's up to you. What, uh,
2: um, I can find another section that I think would be good.
0: Okay, okay. Uh,
2: you bear with me, to
0: Okay. Now before, uh, now before you read, anybody that wants to jump on, ask some questions, you're welcome to. Uh, before he gets into the next piece, so we're not gonna, we're not gonna, no interruptions. So don't be pressing one or there'll be inbox me saying, hey, 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 I want to say something. Nope, nope, nope. Once he starts reading, sit back and listen. So uh, if you're ready to do that, just give us a call at nine two nine four seven seven three eight seven two and press one. Again, if you're streaming from an app or a third-party website or one of these other ways to listen to it, just give us a call at nine two nine four seven seven three eight seven two and press one. If you're already called from your phone, just press one. We'll bring you on, ask questions. Um, there's all uh, you know. Also, tell them where to get the books. You know. Oh
2: yeah, um, Land of the Black Squirrels. You can. Find it on Amazon, um, Barnes and Noble. They have it both in paperback and in, um, I think, what is it, Kindle for Amazon and Nook for um, Barnes and Noble. So you can get it in paper or digital form. Uh, right now, because the um, book tour got shut down for obvious reasons, we've been doing it as a virtual book tour. And you can actually order a signed copy of the book from the publisher. If you go to uh, 33pages, that's 30-3pages.com slash books, Um, you can find it there. And, uh, yeah, if you order it there, the publisher signals me I do a signed copy and it gets dropped right in the mail to you. So that is... um,
1: Definitely.
2: I mean... Yeah, you can get it through all those, and because of the uh, distribution, basically any of your favorite bookstores, you can order it directly through there. And I encourage people to support their local bookstores. You know, having having online options for books is a wonderful thing, but you know, in terms of our economy and also just in terms of our community, if you have a local bookstore, by all means, support that local bookstore and order it through them.
0: Oh yes, true indeed, true indeed. You know, get it, get it. get the book, support. You know, this is. I mean, that's what we do this for. You know. Oh yeah. Okay.
2: It's um. um I, 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 I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh no, actually, I was going to say uh, I'm giving you all one more chance to jump on in before you start reading. <laughs> Well, actually,
2: I was going to step away away from the book for a hot second. Um, Okay. In terms of it's it's interesting how things that you write about sort of in their own way can come to pass. In the um, beginning of the story, there's a character named Oba, who um, is a jazz drummer and he's an artist, and he ends up taking a desk job at the uh at the parks department and while he's at the parks department with his you know while he's at, while he's at the parks department finds out about an opportunity and decides to pursue the opportunity which allows him to take over a building and turn it into an arts academy in his neighborhood in the valley in the the in the valley and um <laughs> I guess it's just a tongue-tied kind of night, isn't it, bro? <laughs> but, yeah, we're um, both
1: <laughs> Yeah.
2: I, I live in the villi. Um <laughs> Which, by the way, for any of my old-school hip-hop heads out there, the Valley is actually referenced by Slick Rick in the song Lottie Dottie. Um, in the song, you know, anybody who's remembers hip-hop from the mid-'80s there was the song lottie dottie we like to party we don't cause trouble we don't bother nobody well in the in the song he runs into this girl named Sally from the valley that's where he's
1: talking about
2: Sally Sally is from the neighborhood that um the novel is set in and of course the thing about it is if he said Sally from the valley this meant that she was basically kind of you know bordering on the bougie side of things was also the implication um that he was, that um carries i should say with that piece but but going back, um Oba is opening an arts academy, and where I'm finding myself in a similar situation now, um I decided to take a a gem um and open a recording studio, a commercial recording studio, simply because we had one here that was very high end high quality, and the problem is it's closing. And it's mostly closing just due to lack of management, not so much lack of interest. But um, you now have musicians, various musicians, who are like, where can I go? Where can I record? Because what's happening is you have a lot of people who are making music on laptops, making music electronically. And so they have home studios, so to speak. But by the same token, you still have a lot of musicians, jazz musicians, rock musicians, who can't record on a laptop who need an actual studio and even the people who are recording on laptops once you're done recording at some point you're going to need to have it mixed and mastered and some people think they can mix it themselves and then they try to mix it and um... they then find out their mix got rejected you know, and they try to get it distributed through spotify and whatnot they're finding this stuff is getting rejected because the mix is unprofessional the quality is unprofessional the sound is unprofessional and the thing is, you can do a really nice recording at home, but if you don't understand processing, sound blending, and all of those things, then the mix is not going to work out. So this is why we have a studio like this, so that, you know, you're recording at home, you can bring your tracks to this studio, you know, let our engineers get on it, and we can turn it into something that could actually go on streaming or on the radio. But building this studio, for me, is very much what happens with Oba, as he's building his arts academy down to when I get off the interview with you, I'm actually going over there so I can finish painting my office. And uh, if you're familiar with the novel, the novel opens with Oba painting his office. It's funny to see how things move in that kind of cycle. Oh, yes. And that sometimes we can, the things that are in the back of our mind, we end up speaking into existence on a different level. Mm -hmm. Because um, the thing with the studio, like I said, I saw an opportunity because one of the studios in the area was closing and there was going to, you know, there was going to be a need because the interesting thing is we already have a number of their clients calling us, when are you guys opening? You know, And, of course, we can't open because of the pandemic and the shutdown. And I'm not in a hurry to open because of the pandemic and the shutdown. <laughs> but um, what I'm finding is that we have a lot of their clients who are like, oh, wow, well, when are you guys going to open? Because I, I have a project I, wanna I want to record. And I'm like, okay, that's great, that's great, that's great. So having that kind of situation is encouraging. But the other piece of it was, was it was a sort of a also a flip on the you know um give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach him to fish and a eat a lifetime well the same kind of thing occurred when I was um putting aside actually money to record a couple of the groovelado projects uh, we have about three album. Projects on deck. One that we're currently finishing, which is a remix album called um, "Mama's Hamper," which are remixes off of the "Ask Your Mama" album. But aside from, aside from that situation, what we what what occurred to me was the same money that I'm taking to set aside to record and market three albums, I could. Put down rent on a space, buy equipment, record the Groovilato's albums, and then actually make the money back recording other people's projects. It's, it's one of those things, you know, the um, guy says in the movie, um, Get On Up, when he's talking to James Brown, there are two things, there's the music and the business. And sometimes as uh, musicians and as artists, we have to also consider business and considering the business isn't just thinking of getting a label etc but sometimes the actual function that goes on with the business is you know what are the areas what are the areas of this business that actually you can function in outside of just being an artist which I um, but, um, but tying back to the book is also one of the sub-themes of the book, because um, as you find going through it, a lot of what I talk about is the concept of economics and the and economy, and how we function with economics and economy as artists, and do we think of ourselves from the business side, and you know we think of ourselves as free spirit, and of course what they always have is the sort of like romantic image of the starving artist, and if you ever look at me? You know I'm not starving.
1: <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know
2: the, the thing of it is, is as um, black people, especially, we've kind of you know I don't want to say we dropped the ball, but we kind of fell for a bill of goods with the way that um, the powers that be decided to interpret civil rights and um equality because what equality meant was close down the black businesses because now you can come shop at the white ones. So we closed down our stores, we closed down our insurance companies, we closed down our savings and loans and our banks. You know, we closed down our shops and we fell for we fell for it. And the thing is we're now, you know, I'm very encouraged to see especially what's happening primarily in the south right now in the black communities where I'm seeing so many more black businesses springing up and coming up and I'm beginning to see the wave pick up to some extent in um, the northern part of the country but um, some of the things that we actually need to revisit um, as a people that you know, we don't have the privilege of you can just be you know that that's in this country, especially basically a white privilege where you can just be an artist, you can just be a this, you can just be a that. We're in a situation um, where really we kind of have to be, you know, everything to an extent. You know, it's funny because you look at historically and traditionally a lot of our black business folks, you know, will think about, like, for example, um, up here, we had a gentleman, Mr. Mitchell. Mr. Mitchell owned a hotel motel that in his hotel motel, he also had a barbershop, a bar, a uh, breakfast spot, a breakfast lunch counter, but then he also had a restaurant where he served dinner. Aside from all of that, Mr. Mitchell also had bulldozers and backhoes so he could do construction and excavation work. Now people laugh about this, but this is business. This is opportunity, and this is taking what you know and flipping it back. And so, you know, these these are some of the I would say backstories that sort of influenced some of the ideals and values that um, I talk about in the in the novel itself.
1: Ah, oh
0: yeah, just a lot of nuggets. Seems like it's a little, just just woven in between the you know the pages of the book.
2: Well, to some extent, I mean um, this is one of the reasons why you know some people. It's funny when you mention some of the critique or comments. Some people think when I refer to it as a folktale, I'm just trying to make it pretentious. And the thing of it is, is no, I wasn't trying to be pretentious in calling it a folktale. I called it a folktale because you know folktales are stories that have a sort of a purpose. They have a philosophical purpose. They have a ethical purpose. And it's sort of a way to visit and, um, you know, with folktales it's a way to visit, celebrate, and highlight what are the positive ethics? What are the positive attributes and things that we should strive for? And these were some of the elements that I was consciously weaving into the narrative. That Owning a home is better than renting a home. Renting a home is a step, it should be a step towards owning. Owning a business is better than working for somebody else's business, and working for somebody else's business can be a step towards developing your business. Um, One of the economic models that I'm working with under Polyphonic is that everybody who's working under Polyphonic is in the process of creating their own company and their own niche, so to speak, as it fits within the larger picture of the recording studio. And you know I'm doing this because basically the idea is wanting to see smaller businesses grow, independent business people grow, and utilizing my own economic, um, my own economic step forward as a as, as sort of like a launch pad for the people working with me.
1: Mm. Okay. Yeah. You know, and just, proof, creating, by, just
2: creating. By, by, by the way, proof that that model can work. I didn't mean to cut you off. by saying, but one of the exist, one of the proofs that a, that model, or I should say, a version of that model can work, is actually the Wu Tang Clan.
1: Mm and
2: In that very unique deal that they had, where the group, as a group, was signed to a record deal, but the individual members were still given. A certain free agent status where they could pursue deals elsewhere as solo artists. Uh, yeah. And what that is is it, that also becomes now a growing businesses out of a business model. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a hub of them. They grow.
0: Oh yeah, like just creating a white like, one big ecosystem.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and that you know, and get also uh, just touching on Blacktopia, that was uh well that was one of my main you know purposes for Blacktopia was to create our own ecosystem where we just kind of all do business with each other, you know, just kind of grow each other's uh, pockets, you know, and and just oh, get yeah. each other out there, and you know, um, because I believe that our people we don't really understand why economic empowerment is so important, you know. Uh, we we want to i mean all the problems that could that that we want to uh see resolved uh it kind of starts and stops with the uh, economic empowerment you know
2: it does it does well mm-hmm. unfortunately you know going back to the civil rights era one of the bill of goods that we got sold to an extent and as a model it would work, we just weren't there. But one of the things that we sort of got sold as a bill of goods was to embrace socialist, communist points of view economically. And the thing is, for socialism to work, you have to already have an economic power base. Mm-hmm. Because the process is... and oh, I'm sorry, for communism to work, you have to have... A, I'm saying, let me get the two right, but for communism to work you have to already have a basic economic power base because you can't have a community running on nothing mm-hmm. and what we ended up doing what we end up doing is looking at it as you know it's more noble um this was an argument i had one time with an elder who you know the point of view was oh well if i have a banana i will share it with five people and I said, "Why not just find a way to get five bananas?"
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> and, you know, I'm like, because then what you end up with are five. I said, you still end up with five hungry people. And whereas philosophically, exactly. and whereas philosophically, you've done something very noble. You still have not really improved the situation.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, uh, you, know, and that, you know,
0: what I've been. Oh,
1: go
2: ahead. Go ahead. Oh no! I, I was just going to say. So the, you know, so the problem, you know, and and the thing is, again, this is sort of like the bill of goods people always get sold. We 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 have always been sold. Black people, Native American people, Latino people, have always been sold this bill of goods that there's nobility in poverty.
1: Mm-hmm. That our
2: that, that our strength is in our poverty. And I mean, I've, I've actually heard people say, "I'm like, really, you really believe that?" that are no yes. you know there's and poverty you know it, it's like for example you have people who love the fact that they have native tribes around but then let the native tribes develop an economic development idea like casinos or not even casinos decide to open a hotel or decide to go into cattle ranching or something like that and that's when oh but Indians are supposed to be poor that's the point of view and of course that's the point of view that our, our current uh, president is basically trying to push is they say, you know, oh, Indians are supposed to be poor. They, they like living on, you know, look at them happy, happily sitting there in the plains and the reservations and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm like, you know, this is the bill of goods we get sold. This is the bill of goods we get sold as black people, that we're not supposed to have businesses. We're supposed to be poor. We're supposed to be happy in, in poverty. And um, that's, part of, that's part of the normalized mindset we have to get ourselves out of.
0: Oh yes, true indeed. Because uh, you know today, uh, well actually it was yesterday. Um, in on Black Blacktopia, I said you know not. I, I made two posts that really got under people's skin, but one of them was, uh, do you think that? Uh, I mean, it's struggling. It, it's struggling. Virtuous. I forgot how I word it, worded it. And a lot of people were trying to say that yes, you know there's there's some kind of virtue in struggling, um, mm-hmm. and I I don't. I don't agree, I don't agree that there is that struggling is just this virtuous thing. like it's also like in our in our television and movies, like where we make all the rich people or all the affluent people, or all the people that are upwardly up mobile, they're corrupt, they're evil, they're liars, they steal, cheat yeah. and all, and all the impoverished, broke people, they're so good, they're so righteous and noble, and you know, and they, they're giving you the shirt off their back even though they don't have anything. And if you look at it in real life, it's actually not even like that because some of the people that you know that are not well off—I I mean, I'd say some of those are some of the shadiest people I've run across—and <laughs> uh, and some of people, and often, some of oftentimes they're not well uh-huh. off because of how greedy they are. Yeah, exactly. And then on the flip side, I run across people who have it, and they're some of the most generous people. Like some, you know, the people that are riding around in expensive cars and they got this and got that. They're the ones who are, you know, looking out for other I mean, not being stupid of course, not being suckers, but they're you know, they they're they're always willing to help other people, you know? Oh
2: yeah. Oh yeah, taking mm-hmm. up your
0: business. Exactly. Exactly. But you know that 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 we've been brainwashed and you know in Blacktopia in the for money Mondays, uh, we we can't have these discuss. Well, we well, I try to, <laughs> but um yeah, money Monday. The, the, I, I really want that day to pop off in the in the group, but it's a lot of people that are hung up. Money is just such an emotional thing for them, you know.
2: Well, well, it was like I tried to start a conversation, as you know, and it ended up being you and I.
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly for for
2: money Monday, mm-hmm. I was like so. What what does everybody think of Garveyism? And, you know, and the only only cat who answers is is you, my brother, my my fellow Garveyist, basically. So, you know,
0: (laughs) (laughs) exactly. Yeah. So, I mean,
2: you know, know. it it, it becomes the things, sometimes it does become the things of what are the, what are, what things are important to us and what do we view properly. But, yeah, but we, we have, um, we have sort of embraced, if you will, the notion that, you know, we're meant to suffer.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely not uh, the one for the fall for it. <laughs>
2: yeah. um, there well, was, because there was even struggle. I mean, struggle um, on one level. It, it's sort of like if you're striving to do better and that's, a, you know, that's a struggle. If you know you're, it's like, for example, let me look, let me show you two, let's take a look at two apartments. Got two apartments in the same building. Both apartments are occupied by young people. Both apartments are occupied by young people living on, sleeping on futons and eating ramen noodles. In one mm-hmm. apartment where they're sleeping on futons and eating ramen noodles numo- ramen noodles they're building a business. In the other mm-hmm. apartment where they're sleeping on futons and eating ramen noodles, they're trying to find jobs.
1: Mhm.
2: Now little by little the other apart the other group are sleeping on futons, but now they're eating steak with their ramen noodles. hmm And the other ones are still struggling for a job to cover the rent. hmm
1: uh-huh.
2: folks in the other apartment sleeping on futons and eating ramen noodles and steak are getting ready to move out of the apartment because they're buying a house.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It becomes so there's in both cases there's a struggle but the problem is sometimes we embrace the struggle and not the
0: goal. Yes. We think That's that the all struggle is it.
2: we think that the struggle is the destination. It's like for example, this is where people are short sighted. The destination is not money, it's what you can do with the money. But people mm-hmm. focus on the money. And they're so focused on the yep. money that they lose sight of, no, there was a goal. You know the money is the reason the money is the tool to achieve the goal. It's not the goal in and of itself. Well, it's the same thing with the struggle. The struggle is a necessary is necessary for any kind of motion, any kind of especially impactful motion. But the struggle in and of itself is not the, is not the entity. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing that a lot of our folks lose sight of, in both cases.
0: Yeah, you're right.
2: You know, I I think of, you know, I I think about the, you know, brothers and sisters who unfortunately fell into drug dealing, for example. They're talking about the money, the money. It's about the money, making the money. Yeah, money, money, money. What are you doing with the money? Mm Uh-huh. You know, look at look at the gangsters who they modeled themselves after. The gangsters, yes, used illegal means to raise money, and the first thing they did was made themselves legitimate, because the idea was not just the money. The idea was the money was what got them to where they wanted to be economically,
1: to, mm-hmm. be, able to, afford,
2: to be able to afford, to influence, to um, live well, etc. But these, you know, we we don't think of, the, you know, we don't think of the goal or the plan.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <sighs> well, see, we need more discussions like this in Blacktopia, and well, just in general, you know.
2: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh yeah! But, and again, all of this is is the philosophy you know this is the philosophy that runs through. And by the way, brother, I need to get your mailing address because you, you know when we get oh. off, you can ask that to me. But um, you know, as you know from from the book, that is really what a lot, what one of the underlying discussions is about is you know what are we building? hmm You know, it starts from the be- you know starts with Oba got a building, and from the building creates an arts academy. Now, with this exactly. arts academy also creates a means to employ himself, mhm, and through this arts academy teaches young people how to use their art in such a way to not only express themselves and expand their creativity but it's also a matter of and you know you need to eat,
1: mhm. yeah i you
2: know, love even, even even the um gangsters in the in the book it's sort of like that's a means to an end that's not that's not the, the final
0: game mhm oh yeah and you know and and also too uh in our community we we demonize we demonize money so much you know uh but it's a, it's yeah. an energy that you can use. You know, it's a tool. You know, it is. Well, well. Yeah. Here
2: again, that is. You know, when I talk about the short sighted, that is the demon. The demon is the demon is when it's about money. But mm-hmm. when it's about educating our babies, when it's about providing food, clothing, shelter for our family, comfortable. You know, owned Food, clothing, shelter for our family we, You know, that's not evil But money is necessary mm-hmm. To make those things happen
0: Oh yes, true indeed
2: and, You know, and then it's like Okay, so if we switch over to a barter system Beautiful Whether you're operating with a cash system Or a barter system It's still about you need these things You want these things for your for yourself and your family You want the best for your family You know Mm-hmm. so therefore oh, yes. you know that that's, that's what that is but again it's sort of like the, the cloud is that we we have bought into uh, you know a lot of us have bought into the, the um, concept of white privilege and white supremacy and so therefore they're the only ones who are supposed to have this and we're not really supposed to have it and if we have it it's evil mm-hmm
0: you know, and um, and also subcon, like even for the people who consciously, you know, believe that okay, yeah, we we do need to have X, Y, and Z. Um, subconsciously, they don't believe it, which is why it also prevents them from achieving. You know this because, oh, yeah. uh, you know, <laughs> you know, like the, it was a it was a it was a woman in Blacktopia. We were talking on one of the posts, and uh. And the 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 thing was about the word broke. And she just kind of, like, oh, it's just a word. It's just, it's not, it doesn't, no, the word, you you keep calling yourself broke, you're going to, subconsciously, you're just going to embody that. You know, you're going to do things that, you know, and she could not get it. She thought I was just talking. She didn't understand what I was saying. You know, and, and we, we went back and forth for a good little minute on the post. But I'm like, okay, uh, say what?
2: I was reading that.
0: Oh, you did? Okay, okay. And she just couldn't get it. I, I think other people didn't get it either because we're so, you know, we're, we're we're telling our subconscious, "I'm we're broke, we're broke, we're broke, we're broke, we're broke," to the point where we're, you know, hey, I mean, you know, that, that you are speaking into existence, you know, it, you know, well, you, I mean, the world, there's so many. Even if you only had two dollars on you, there's so much the world has that you can obtain. You know, oh. so, you know, I mean, they got to shift their way of thinking, but, you know, they'll fight you tooth and nail. No, I'm I, I'm going to say I'm broke, and they, they wear like a badge of honor, you know?
3: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: yeah, you know, and it's like, this, this, you know, um, it was, and now this is not to diss or put down anybody. But there was like a t shirt pride in the projects,, mm. and I'm like proud of living in government housing. Let's stop and think about that for a minute. Mhm uh-huh. and um there i I should say there is there's no shame in living in the projects, but I would think that a legacy of living in government housing would be something we want to break yes but we've been taught that you know it was sort of like um, it's a funny thing Of everybody who grew up in that time period loved the TV show Good Times I was one of the people who tuned in watched it all the time on CBS I know Good Times is Mm -hmm. set in the Capini green projects and the Mm -hmm. entire series is basically about a family trying to get out of the projects
1: but Mm -hmm.
2: to some extent the message that was being sent was if you're black and don't live in the projects there's something wrong with you
1: Mm -hmm.
2: on the flip side when Cosby came out there then became this whole. Oh, that's unrealistic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now the fact that I knew myriads of black doctors, lawyers, business professionals. You know, my um, grandfather was an accountant, and a lot of these people were his clients. So you know, you come to know all. You come to know that. Okay, you know people. Who are like Heathcliff Huxtable? You know people who are like Claire Huxtable, but you're being told that that's unrealistic. hmm And J- we're
0: telling ourselves, J- J-
2: J- JJ, JJ, is the black reality, not, not Theo. <laughs> and I,
0: I know more Theos than uh, JJs.
2: Likewise, you Likewise, you know. Likewise, you know <laughs> it, it was, you know, and it's, mm-hmm. it's the funny thing of. It's the funny thing of I was a student at Boston University when A Different World was on. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you now have the TV room full of all the black students from BU watching A Different World. And you have white students swearing that no such place, no such school like a Hillman exists.
0: There, There's lots and, of historical black colleges.
2: As as you're telling them, well, there's Hampton, there's Morehouse, there's Spellman, <laughs> there's Morris Brown, there. Mm-hmm. You know, we're sitting down naming them. There's Lincoln. You know, we're we're sitting yeah. down thinking of all. that Sitting down thinking of all these, but you know, it, it it's sort of like we're taught that this doesn't exist. And by the way, the funny effect of that TV show, A Different World, there was an increase of of uh, there was a sharp increase of students applying to black colleges
1: because of that stuff
2: you know this exactly. is a sometimes help dictate to reality because there was you know um, the funny thing was the advantages of the black colleges were not being promoted and this goes back to the civil rights area now oh, now you can go to the white schools. So, you mm-hmm. know, the, the best and the brightest who once upon a time would have been shipped off to to Howard or to Morehouse or to Fisk. We're now being sent to Yale and to Harvard, or, you know, we're going into the debt going to Harvard and Yale and so forth. And, it, you know, it was because we, got a, we sort of got pushed away from our legacies. Mm-hmm you know, our Wilbur Forces and so forth. And um, the funny yes to that is when your Harvards and your BUs and your Yales are looking to stock their graduate programs with black students, they go to the historically black colleges first. They don't even look in their own ranks. Mm hmm. BU medical school had a program that was specifically grabbing kids uh you know, the the best and the brightest in the sciences out of the black colleges where they would finish their senior year at Boston University and then go on to BU med school. You
1: mm-hmm.
2: one you might see one black kid from BU from who was actually would actually matriculated at BU go through that program. You'd see one or two, but the majority all came from southern schools. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, you know, the and you know, the same is true when you look at Harvard. You look at their doctorate in education program. You're seeing, you know, interestingly enough, the majority of the black students are coming from historically black colleges. The majority of the Native American students are coming from the historically Native colleges out west. So you know,
1: yeah, they
2: know, they know, they know where the the um, quality is being cultivated. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it it all goes back to what are we fed? You know, um, we look at what happens with hip-hop. Hip-hop is black consciousness, and overnight it becomes gangsterism. And, of course, it becomes gangsterism right along lines with when you have a private prison industry and you need to now increase the inmate population. Mm -hmm. So what do we do? We We create criminal images, and we make the criminal images the cool ones. And, you know, that's what the kids will then gravitate towards.
1: -hmm.
2: You're right. It all becomes what? What do we do? You know, it becomes um, a form of mind control. You know, uh, Marshall McLuhan, the media theorist from the 50s and 60s, his theories still hold true, and in fact, have intensified because of because of the advent of things like social media, where if you're able to inundate people with an image, they'll embrace and accept that image.
1: Mhm. You're right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This. Man. They're all. This. These are conversations that we definitely need to. We want to have more of them. You know, in Blacktopia. Oh yeah. You know? Oh yeah.
2: Oh yeah, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: I know we've gotten way, way, way off topic of the book of um, (laughs) novel, but man, I'm 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 enjoying the conversation.
0: (laughs) Oh yes, always, you know. (laughs) Um, yeah, well, shoot, for the people that's listening, this is uh, you know, you're stepping into the mind of Waleen. So you know, you know, this this great mind also authored the book Land of the Black Squirrels. So uh, you know, a lot a lot of great uh, rich uh knowledge and nuggets of information and, and pretty much everything he puts his uh is, you know puts his hands on puts his uh pen to. Yeah. You know?
2: I try to brother, definitely yeah. try to.
0: Oh yes, yeah. oh yeah. You de- you definitely do. You don't try, you do. <laughs> oh yes, oh yeah. Um well, did you, before we uh, before we go out, did you want to read one more, or how, what do you want to do? Oh, yeah. Oh, actually, we got somebody that wants to call. Oh,
1: all
0: right. Uh, well, sorry. Yeah, we got somebody that wants to call. Let's go ahead and bring them on right quick. Uh, all right. Uh, call caller in the 314 one, You're on the air. Who is this?
3: Hey, this this is Pionki Collins from the Midwest. How you guys doing?
0: All right, brother. You? Hey, we're doing good.
3: I know you was talking about you was reviewing the publication but you made some you made some comments about the education it applies to black and African American students Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say this the problem starts in the elementary grades
2: oh most definitely
3: and when you get up to college So you got several things going on there. One, black students are overrepresented in low-paying majors.
1: Uh Mm-hmm.
3: Now, we can just stop right there because everything beyond that point is going to be curtailed by the fact that you don't make enough money to have discretionary money to do other things mm. i mean it's a fact we have to come to the realization of that right and yeah. i'm not i'm not criticizing the student but when you look at the black historical college you only have about five that has a graduation rate above 50 percent in six mm-hmm. years and six years means that that student had to stay in two extra years all right, But mm-hmm. they're not staying in two extra years because of hard subjects like physics, chemistry, engineering, so on. They're coming out with degrees in those health fields like social, mm-hmm. health administration, teacher's mm-hmm. assistant, early childhood education, and areas like that. When you look at these high-paying fields where they're in demand. And I'm going to talk about that, too. Blacks do not man those professions that represent their numbers in the population. Exactly. We look at engineers, it's about 7%, whereas blacks make up about 13% in the United States' population. Now, let me say this. Dismissed about black kids not doing it and not getting hired. That's not true because they are doing it, but it's not nowhere near enough. Mhm. I follow an organization called the National Society of Black Engineers. Ah, uh, yes. Started in 1972. Have you ever heard of them?
2: Of course. I was about to, I was about when you mentioned 7% out of versus 13% I said and that number is that high thanks to Nesby. Yes, sir. N- Nesby, Nesby and, um, I, I have to say, Nesby is wonderfully active on every college campus. And, you're absolutely
3: um, right. And, and let me talk you. A, a superb, let me tell you what they're doing. Now, in 2017 and 2018, and 2019, the last three national conventions. 2017, 2018. In Pittsburgh and Kansas. In 2019, it was in Detroit. They didn't have one this March because of the convict. In 17 and 18, Northwood Grumman hired 400 STEM graduates two years in a row, 17 and 18. Not to include the other thousands that were being hired by other corporations from Boeing, the Department of Defense. Caterpillar, mm-hmm. Amazon, Google, so on and so on. In 2019, Lockheed Martin hired 400 plus off the convention floor. Mm-hmm. Northwood Grumman is headquartered in Mississippi. Lockheed Martin, I forget where they are. Those are defense contractors.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: They had 15,000 STEM students in Detroit. You had thousands of other kids being hired by other corporations. Now, they are being hired. We're just not producing enough. Mm -hmm. And the thing is that this administration has said repeatedly to those immigrants that's here working on work visas that's holding positions because U.S. corporations can't find Americans at the numbers they need, he told them that when your visa expire, you got to go home. I mean, that's nothing new. Other countries do the same thing, too. Well,
2: well let, me, let, let, me, let me say this. The situation that we were talking about also is not just a matter of those of us who get hired, but how do we become the Steve Jobs? Never mind how do we get a job with them? How do we become the Boeings? Never mind how do we get a job with them? It bec- you know, it, it becomes not just... The I got an answer for that. I'm just saying, because the thing is, we're turning, yeah. out, yes, we're turning out numbers of people with skills and that's almost more like the modern day tech slave labor, but then how do we now develop the system where we then now start to actually benefit from it as the business owners?
3: Well, you I, I agree with you, but let me tell you this now: you got to work for companies in these fields mm-hmm. before you can go start your own business doing it. Because Understood. there's things, yeah, you get things. You, you know what I did for a living for four but, decades.
2: But but then how do we, but then that's the thing: how do we get our young people to go from the point of studying with you know the apprenticeship, if you will? How do we go from being the apprentice to the master?
3: Well, that takes, well, how, how, that's how, another, how, that's how, another, that. yes, yeah, sir, that's another, that's another strategic plan they had to do. But I put, it, oh, I erected structure still buildings like the ones that fell during 9-11, tall buildings like that, bridges. Right. But I had to work at that for about 20 years before I knew, I couldn't go to Harvard to learn that. You understand what I'm saying? hmm hmm I had to do that in the field. Then I said, well, I'm going to do it on my own when things are right. But, yeah, you got to get people that's working because when you're working for a, a corporation, you are actually a minuscule business of that corporation that you are running, you are learning the network and the other pertinent things in order for your portion to be successful. And right. then at some point in time, people come out and do that. thing. I'll tell you something else. You, 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 I hear people talk about, and America and European countries are taking resources out of Africa. Well, that ain't governments that's doing that. Those are companies that's there at the wishes of those governments. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have students that's in geology, earth sciences, Chemical engineers Mm -hmm. and chemistry, well, then you're going to have to pick your workforce from other countries or other entities that do have those specialties Mm -hmm. and can provide them. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying?
1: Oh, exactly. Exactly.
3: So, I just wanted to put that out there. I appreciate that you know about Nesby, and they are not the only; one. they're the largest, but oh, there's some I, other I, other I, ones too.
2: I should explain the other hat that I wear. I'm also Professor Morgan James Peters, director, of, well, former director of Black Studies and Professor of English at the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth.
3: That's great,
2: and, and I'm happy. to You know you where Blacks
3: that? got a lot of skills at? What's this? In the Navy. Oh yeah. Blacks received a lot of skills in the Navy back when they was hiring. A lot of them was going into the Navy back in the 70s because oh, yeah. the Navy offered more technical, hands-on stuff than any other branch of service.
2: Oh, yeah. And and with that, I have to, by the way, give a shout-out to um, one of my mentors coming up, um, retired Admiral Norman Johnson, one of the... Uh, few black admirals in the Navy, um, was also part of naval intelligence. Mm-hmm. His retirement from that. You know
3: another too. field too. Aviation. US oh, department yeah. the Bureau of Labor Statistics said there's gonna be a shortage of forty no, four hundred thousand commercial pilots. The military said they're gonna be short twelve thousand. Oh yeah. So where should you be putting your child?
2: I would right now be putting them in the program that JetBlue sponsors, which which has been introducing um, young people of color to aviation.
3: And you know there's another brother out there in Oakland, California,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. uh, Mr. Graves, who runs Oakland Youth First for aviation and uh, commercial shipping. So we have those necessary things. It's just not enough yeah. of them. Now, my grandson, my last sibling in school is attending LSU in engineering, gas, and petroleum. He's also doing business with a minor in energy. And I told him, you're going to learn how to fly. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's another thing. We have to start directing these young people into these type of fields, starting them off as early as you can. You know, here's the thing. You can tell, you can identify the skills that a three-year, a third grader have, mm-hmm. and you can nurture them. Because when I was coming up, I was tracked into a technical high school because when I sat out at the table and they gave me some blocks to put in shapes, square shape, a square block, won't going around a hole, but I did put it in a square hole. So they, you can do the same thing with your young. Well, let me, don't they do it in football at the Combines? Yeah. See who can run the fastest, jump the highest, throw the furthest? I got you.
2: Yeah. I got
3: you. But I appreciate you. you. At least you did <laughs> recognize Nesby for what they oh, do, yeah. and they do a good job. And, uh. Mm-hmm. Your Yo, host here. I wish he would uh, maybe get somebody from Nesby to, to talk about it. But that's what we have to do. I mean, the future in yeah. the direction that it's going in the sciences would look, uh, antimatter, uh, facial recognition, and all the other sciences that's uh, that's being gonna be utilized. We got to get our children prepared for those. Oh yeah. Corbett-19 is doing what? You hear more people saying, look, we got to stop depending on China. We got to start doing that here. Oh, yeah. From opportunities. All right, well... uh, I'm sorry for taking up so much time on your show.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's all good. Uh, Definitely thank you for, you know, calling in and and voicing your opinion. You know... um, Oh, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we uh we definitely want to, want to move a move move along. But uh we definitely Thank you very much, that. sir. Oh yeah, thank you as well. Yeah, take you out with some claps. Alright, alright. Now uh now Waleem, um did you want to uh did you want to take us out with another piece right quick or did you uh how are we looking? How we looking on time?
2: I'll tell you what, why don't um, If you don't mind, let's, co- let's come back on sometime, because one thing I would like to try next time is this was meant to be read over jazz, mm-hmm. and maybe, maybe, I don't know, your listeners would be interested in hearing it over some jazz.
0: Oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I may have to – actually, I'm going to have to – there's another idea I'm, I want to pitch to you, because uh, blog talk, the way the, – I mean, we could do it, but the way – the blog talk system is set up. It may be a little challenging to do it that way. Uh, okay. But there is, but but there is there is an idea I'm gonna pitch to you in the in the messenger about reading okay. over some jazz. And uh, we'll, so we'll either way we're gonna we're gonna put you on a platform doing that.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 Let's do it.
0: Definitely. Um, definitely. Awesome. All, all right, right so I while we leave,
2: pre- I'll leave out. Thanks, you know, thank thank you so much for bringing me on, Jay, and um, you know, thanks to your listeners for letting letting me ramble all over the place. And the name of the novel is <laughs> Land of the Black Squirrels. It's book one of the Bronx Bohem. You can find it in Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Go to your local bookstore and order it that way. Um, you can order it directly from the publisher, 30 pages dot com slash books, and you can get a signed copy that way. And, um, you know, much love to the Blacktopia family.
0: Oh, yes, true indeed, true indeed. All right, thank you, and uh, good night.
2: Peace and blessings.